You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Philip Jordan Show. I'm your host, Philip Jordan, and studio host and producer of That's Most Football on I6.9 The Legend and Auburn Rider for Last Word on college football. On today's show, on this Monday, we got a really fun show for you. We're going to be previewing the national championship game that's being played tonight between Michigan and Washington. And joining me coming back on the show will be Dustin Judy from over at Sports Illustrated and Hoosiers Now, where he covers the Big Ten. So we'll break it down, how Michigan beat Alabama, his takeaways from Washington and Texas. And we'll look at this matchup between these two teams and who wins. And I asked the question to Dustin, will Jim Harbaugh be the head coach of Michigan next year? We will answer those questions and more on today's edition, on this Monday edition of the Phil George Show. You can check out the Philip Jordan Show podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Hey, joining me on the show today. Hey, it is the day of the national championship game, and I thought about going solo, but I said, nah, let's have a guest on here and a return guest from just a few weeks ago who previewed the Michigan side of the college football playoff, and that is Dustin Schutte. He covers the Big Ten over at Sports Illustrated and Hoosiers Now. And uh, Dustin, I appreciate you, you coming on once again. Good to talk to you, Philip. So would can we actually call this an all-Big Ten national championship? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, as someone who covers the Big Ten, I think that that's appropriate, but I can understand why uh, maybe some people don't want to quite uh, put that description on it just yet. But, yeah, I mean, we're in t- 2024, Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA are all, all joining later this year, technically. So I'm saying it's an all-Big Ten fun, or all-Big Ten championship game. So I'll – people let you know this, so I'll let you know this. I picked Alabama versus Texas. So if that had been the matchup, I was sure enough going to call it an all-SEC national championship game. So I have to be fair and call this an all-Big Ten because of, of what it is. I mean, I know – and it really would be – it's funny and sad at the same time. It's just like if Washington wins this thing, they're going – out of the Pac-12, I mean, everybody's leaving the Pac-12, and uh, they win a national championship. I really don't know what George Kolofkoff is going to be doing uh, during that whole time because it's like he's there to represent the conference, but, you know, they don't really get to celebrate this. Yeah, it's bizarre because it feels like that this year for maybe the first time and probably since the days of USC with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush that this felt like the Pac-12 maybe had the best conference in college football. You know, when you look at Washington, um, the way Oregon played throughout the season, obviously you've got Utah, Arizona played well throughout the season. you got a couple other teams out there. Obviously, Oregon State had a solid season. So it felt like for a majority of the season, the Pac-12 might have been the best conference. So it's it's kind of sad, but it's, I guess it's a, a pretty strong farewell tour, if you will. Yeah, that's it. Go out in style. That, that's how you do it. You just go out in style uh, when you – uh, when the conference basically ends. So just, you know, we talked a few weeks ago, previewing this matchup. I know, I've, I know you had some, some questions and some worries about Michigan playing Alabama. Did Monday, did last week, did the national champ, did the semifinal, excuse me, did that 
shock you in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it did because, uh, you know, we talked about, and I said one of the biggest concerns that I had from Michigan was if you go back to that Purdue game and then when they played Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, at times I thought Michigan's offensive line looked like it was suspect, and I thought that against Alabama's defensive front, they might struggle to hold up and they might have trouble keeping J.J. McCarthy upright, and how would that help or uh, hinder his playmaking ability? And really it was the opposite. I mean, Michigan's defensive front getting six sacks, 10 tackles for loss in that game. Jalen Milrow only had 116 passing yards. He was never really able to get comfortable in that game, it didn't seem like. So I was surprised because the questions and concerns I had about Michigan's offensive front line, they they answered the call. I thought they did a really good job. Um, and then Alabama, just they, they had no answer for Michigan's uh, front seven. That was one of the best one of the best attacks I think we've seen all season. That was maybe the best game I think Michigan has played this season too. And I think even people that watched them play all season, you know, the diehard fans would say that that was, that was one of the more impressive college football semifinal games I've seen um, just from like a, a personnel standpoint. I did not expect to see Michigan give Jalen Milrow that kind of trouble because again, as we talked about even last week, Michigan hadn't seen a quarterback with the dual threat capabilities and the big arm and the, the ability to make plays with his legs like Jalen Milrow. So I, just an overall impressive, impressive showing from Michigan, on, uh, especially up front on the defensive side. Yeah, I know. And just the way the game started to J.J. McCarthy thought it was an interception, but it wasn't. But then you had the muff punt. You had the, the bad snap on the extra point. Then you had at the end of regulation to another muff point, uh, punt there at the one. So what everything said, I was watching a game and I was like, man, Michigan's special teams is trying to give Alabama the game. Yeah, they were. And it, it kind of felt like, here we go again. I think if you were watching this from the Michigan perspective, because as we've talked about, you know, they've kind of fallen flat their, their first two college football playoff games. They, they really didn't have, the the talent or the speed to keep up with Georgia a few years ago. And then last year, um, TCU just beat them deep uh, quite a bit in, in that shootout game. So um, when J.J. McCarthy threw that interception, it just kind of felt like, well, this could be another situation where Michigan just gets run off the field here early. But they got a break. Then they made another mistake. With, but, but they were really able to – and I think one of the biggest questions, too, was what happens when Michigan gets punched in the face? And they answered the call. Now they, they kind of punched themselves in the face, right? Like they were, Alabama wasn't the one necessarily doing it. Michigan had done it to himself, but I was impressed with how they responded because I think previous Michigan teams in those type of games have tended to fold or get down, but you just saw the experience shine through. Um, you saw, again, this was a team that was resilient. It's the experience. It's the talent. They are. They were just very impressive to me because I thought when you saw even just the fact that it, it, it was overturned, I thought the fact that it was an interception, I thought that might play in J.J. McCarthy's mind. But he compartmentalized that. He moved on, and, and he had a great game. I mean, I think he had over 200 passing yards, three three touchdown passes, and, and really played about as well as you could against that Alabama defense. Yeah, he played a fantastic game, and it was really interesting because really the first half felt like it was dominated by Michigan because you look at Alabama's one touchdown there in the first half, it was off that muff punt and then the big run by Jason McClellan. And then really Michigan dominated, I think, outplayed Alabama for half, but third quarter and early in the fourth quarter, it seemed like Alabama had kind of turned the tide, no pun intended, and then Michigan's top players stepped up and that's what you expect your best players to do. You mentioned J.J. McCarthy, and then you got Blake Corum with some big runs. And it felt like the whole game, 
you never heard of anything from Roman Wilson. But then there in the fourth quarter, uh, he, he made the made the big plays. Yeah, he made that uh, big catch there, and then obviously Blake Corum had that. Uh, that was an awesome run there uh, to close out overtime, that first overtime, which ended up being the game-winning run. So, yeah, I mean, again, there were just so many different things where I think in previous seasons, if you don't get much production from Roman Wilson and then you go to him late in the game, maybe he drops it. Maybe he doesn't come up with that play. Or maybe Blake Corum doesn't, you know, keep his legs moving and, and gets brought down short of the goal line or whatever the case might be. But this was, uh, I think that this was a, a sign of Michigan not just being a really talented team and, and, you know, getting good recruits and getting good players through the transfer portal. This was also a team that's just experienced. They have good leadership. They don't have any quit. And again, there were times that this season they got out in front quite a bit this this year, um, so they didn't have to play behind a whole lot. So when they got down against Alabama, especially late in that game, I thought for sure that this was going to be a team that just kind of folded like we saw in previous seasons. But everybody on that team stepped up. Nobody was afraid of the moment. And I think that that was maybe the most impressive part was just you saw that th- this was a team that had gone through the ups and downs. They had gone through some controversy, obviously, throughout the course of this season with the sign-stealing stuff. We'll save that for another day. <laughs> they could have very easily just said, you know, here we go again. This is the same old, same old, reverted back to bad habits that they had gone through the pre- previous two years. But they didn't do that. And, I, again, I think that that's just a testament to how this coaching staff had this team prepared. And when you have guys who have been on your staff or, uh, or on your roster for three, four, five years, this is what happens in those big time pressure situations. They stepped up in a big way. So, uh, looking at the other game, the Washington and Texas game, just you know, out of curiosity, uh, where was your lean going into that game? Yeah, I really didn't know. That was kind of more of the coin flip for me because I thought I, I thought it was going to be a shootout. I didn't know about Washington's defense. You know, they kind of have that. Even in the Big Twelve, there's kind of that that um, you know thought that those two conferences and those two teams don't really play defense but I thought Washington played extremely well Michael Penix had had another big game uh that was just a fun game and then you talk about you know trying to give it away we talked about Michigan on special teams what about Washington you know basically (laughs) that injury at the end of the game um stopping the clock and then you have a penalty on the punt um so it was just an exciting game I I that was a coin flip. I don't know that I had a favorite in that game. I know we've done predictions before on this show. I, I don't know if I could have given you an answer. Um, but I will say that from the story standpoint, I think it's really cool that Michael Penix, who has battled his injuries throughout his career, you go back to 2017 or 18, whatever recruiting class he was part of, and he kind of gets turned away by Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee. Um, so for him to go through what he did in the recruiting process, for him to go through the struggles – at Indiana, and then for him to be playing in the national championship game, I think that's, if not the best story in college football this season, it is one of the best stories in college football this season. Yeah, and as I did, as I mentioned you know, at the top, you know, with Hoosiers now doing the Big Ten, and just this was a guy that was at Indiana, you know, a guy you, know, you saw pretty regularly. And just when you look at Indiana, Michael Penix, I'm just talking about on the field versus Washington, Michael Penix, what's the big differences you see? I think the primary difference 
is he has an offensive line and he's got playmakers at the wide receiver position. I mean, I, I, I don't know that he's done anything mechanically different. I don't know that he's a different passer. I mean, he's probably at full strength now. But when you watched him at Indiana in the one season that he was with Kalen DeBoer, that 2019 season, Indiana finished 8-5. and five. They had a chance to win the Gator Bowl, but give, gave that game away late. They were very competitive. And a big reason was because they got the ball out of his hands quickly. They got it. They had some playmakers at wide receiver back then, and they just tweaked the offense to where it would benefit him, even though they had an underperforming offensive line. The, you know, the previous couple seasons where he was constantly getting hurt, he just had no protection. He was either running for his life or, you know, he was getting sacked every other play. And so that's why you saw those injuries stack up. And so I think, I don't know that it's anything he's done differently. I mean, I'm sure he's improved and, and worked with Kalen DeBoer and the coaching staff out there at Washington to get better and, and to get better chemistry. But I think the simple answer is just that he has time to throw. And Kalen DeBoer is so good at scheming towards his quarterback and getting the ball out of his hands. I mean, there's times that, you know, he racks up a lot of passing yards and he can launch the ball down the field. Don't get me wrong. But how many times do you see him give a you know dump a pass off and somebody turns a, a a play from behind the line of scrimmage into an eight to ten yard gain or more? And so I think the fact that he's able to have those playmakers, he, the offensive line gives him just enough time to get the ball out of his hands. I think that's the biggest difference in his transition from Indiana to Washington. And with this matchup with with Washington and Michigan, these are two different styles we're going to see here. We yeah. got the Michigan is you know, wants to run the ball. You know, pound pound a ball, pound a rock, but also we also know JJ McCarthy can beat you throwing when he needs to. Well, we know Washington; they want to throw it all over the place. That's that's kind of what they want to do. Uh, when you look at this matchup, what sticks out to you? Well, that's a good question, and I, I think what I want to preface this by saying is I think it's really funny, Philip, that these two teams, even though they're the number one and number two teams in college football in the college football playoff rankings, they're playing for a national championship. Call me crazy. Isn't, doesn't this seem like these are two teams, Michigan and Washington, and everybody's just been kind of doubting all season? Like, we've just been waiting mm-hmm. for them to lose, right? Like, it seems like, oh, well, Washington's too one-dimensional, or Michigan just doesn't have the talent. We're waiting for them to falter again. So we've found reasons to doubt both of these teams throughout the course of the season. And it's just funny to me that these are the two teams that are competing for the national championship. What I think is going to be – the key in this game, and I'm going to go back to what I talked about earlier with the Alabama-Michigan Rose Bowl game, is when Washington wants to throw the ball all over the yard, how is their offensive line going to hold up against what we saw Michigan do against Alabama's offensive line? And I don't know that Alabama's off. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Washington's on the same level. We're, we're about to find out how good they are, right? Because I think that's my biggest concern. If if Michigan can get in the backfield and disrupt Michael Penix Jr., what's Washington's answer going to be? Because I don't think Washington's defense is going to be good enough. I think the Huskies are going to have to try to score a lot of points to win this game. And if they can pass, they can throw it over the field. I think that there's enough weaknesses in that Michigan secondary where they're going to be able to score some points. But if the defensive front plays like it did against Alabama, Michigan might win this going away. You know, it's something that was very impressive with Michigan's win over Alabama was the fact is that their secondary did not give up the big play down the field because that, that's where Jalen Miro's at his best, throwing a deep ball. There was none of that on Monday uh, against Alabama for Michigan. And it, obviously, you, you're playing Washington. They have better receivers than what Alabama has right now. I mean, right. you got 
Ron Madunes, I hope a lot of people should, you know, look as the best receiver in the country. And then Jalen Polk, two 1,000-yard receivers there for Washington. But Michigan has seen this before in Ohio State. They've gone up against teams with really good receiving core. How do you see that that going for Michigan, going up against this group of receivers? Yeah, I think the one caveat to that comment, because you're not wrong in saying that Michigan has seen this before with Ohio State. Obviously, Ohio State has some really good receivers, but I do think that they were a little bit more, let's just shut down Marvin Harrison. I don't know that they had to account for as many receivers as Washington has. So I think you had, what, four different receivers from Washington in the uh, Sugar Bowl catch five passes in that game. Uh, And the other aspect of that, too, is that Michael Penix is – Kyle McCord is a really good quarterback, and Michael Penix is that much better. And so I don't think that Michigan has quite seen that combination. So that's why I say I think that there are some holes because of how good Washington's receivers are, because of how good Michael Penix Jr. is. I think that they can exploit some of that. But, again, to me it all depends on, you know, what you're going to see on the defensive front. If they can force the ball – and they don't allow that big play like they did against Alabama, then they're going to put themselves in a really good position to win this game. It's it's a really that's going to be a really interesting matchup because to me, Philip, I think it comes down again more, and I probably sound like a broken record. It comes down to more be about how Washington's offensive line holds up against Michigan's defensive line as opposed to the secondary because we've seen, but uh, some of those passes that Michael Penix can make in tight windows, he he will be able to do that against Michigan's secondary. I think. Yeah, I really feel like with this game, too, Washington needs to have this thing be an up-and-down game. Like If they get yeah. into kind of like a um, a game that Michigan wants, which is at the line of scrimmage, physical. Look, I'm not – Washington's got a good offense line. I think they got good defensive players. they got pressure on you know Quinn Ewers pretty regularly in the Sugar Bowl, too, as well. But it just feels like they need this game to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that because – I think Michigan is very good at ball control. I think that they know how to squeeze you. Um, you know, they're like a boa constrictor. Once they get the lead, it's really hard to regain it. So I agree with you. I think Mich- or, uh, excuse me. I think Washington wants wants a lot of possessions. They want to try to score as many points as possible. And so I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. Now Washington's fourteen and zero, but I wouldn't be too surprised if they maybe try to pull out a trick play here or there to try to catch. Michigan napping just to get some free points on the board uh, or, or pick up a big game so they can hit that big play. So I, I agree with you. I think Washington, it's going to benefit them more if this is a high-scoring game. Michigan wants to probably keep it low, and you know they'd be perfectly happy with winning another game 27-20. to 20. So I, I, just, I think I trust Michigan's run game more if they're able to control the clock than I do Washington's. And if they – I mean, I, this is so interesting. I, I feel I – feel, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but, you know, you say if Washington's going to have to throw, they're just going to be one-dimensional, then they, they might not have much of a chance against Michigan. But then at the same time, Philip, that's how they've won 14 games all season long. They've depended on the pass. So uh, this, is a, this is a really intriguing national championship game. Yeah, their run game works off their pass game, not the other way around. Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, what all I said, uh, final thoughts. Uh, what, what are you expecting to see on Monday night? Yeah, I think we're going to see another really fantastic game. Um, I, this is another one where I just, I don't know. There's so many, 
um, interesting facets of this game. I do think because of what I saw from Michigan's defensive line, and I think Washington's offensive line, and again, Kalen DeBoer's creativity and his offensive play calling, I do think that Washington's going to be in a better position to score points. I just don't know. I think they've got so much momentum. Michigan's linebackers, their defensive line, I think they're going to be able to disrupt Michael Penix. I think they're going to be able to shut down that run game. And while I think that Washington will probably hit on a few big plays at some point in that game because that's what they've done all season, I do think Michigan's going to win the national championship. Um, but it's it's going to be a really fun game, I think. All right, my last question. I did pray for this question, so if you don't want to answer it, I can always edit this part out. After the game, win or lose, will Jim Harbaugh be the head coach of Michigan next season? I don't think so. I think because of the Big Ten penalties he faced, I think because of the school's self-imposed um, suspension earlier this season, I think because of the interest that the NFL still has in Jim Harbaugh, I just don't think, you know, I, I'm going to put the guilty thing aside for a minute. So whether he's innocent, guilty, somewhere in the middle about the sign-stealing stuff, I don't know that he wants to deal with the, the potential sanctions from the NCAA, from potential punishment from the Big Ten, you know, all that stuff coming down the pipeline. I do think that this is going to be his final game. I've also said that before and been completely wrong. So that's just my gut feeling. Certainly don't put any money or, or, or you know, wager anything on that. That's just my gut instinct. You know, if he wins a national championship, he would have won three Big Ten titles, beaten Ohio State three times. Um, and, and then won a national championship. So I don't know what else he would have to prove in college. And then he can just go to the pros and try to chase that Super Bowl that he came so close to winning, you know, over a decade ago. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, the game is going, I, I agree with you. I believe this is going to be a fantastic game. And, uh, whatever happens to Jim Harbaugh after, I'm sure that will be conversation, uh, to have after the championship game. Without a doubt, Jim Harbaugh is always a lightning rod for conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, but Dustin, this has been fun having you all once again talk about this game, previewing the matchup. Uh, if the listeners or viewers want to check you out online, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Shooty Dustin, at S C H U T T E D U S T I N. You can find my stuff on SI.com slash college slash Indiana. Work for Hoosiers now. Uh, so those are the uh, two best places to find me. All right. Sounds good, Dustin. Everybody go check him out. Does a great job covering the Big Ten. And Dustin, I hope we can do this again sometime down the road. That sounds great, Philip. I always enjoy it. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legend. But Digio Strategies has other options, too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m., and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at Night and Coast to Coast AM keep you company and connected throughout the night. Plus, Fox News, the Alabama Radio Network, and Wiregrass Daily News keep you informed with national, international, state, and local news. And with more musical choices like all the hits, 106.7 KMX. Today's Country 95.5 WTVY and Music 107.7 Digio Strategies gives you more choices and more variety. Listen on air, online, and on our apps. 96.9 The Legend is just the beginning. Once again, thanks to Dustin Shooty for coming on this edition of the show and previewing tonight's national championship game. 
between Washington and Michigan. Uh, real quickly, a couple of news items. I'll let you guys know I was kind of out of it uh, over the weekend, paying attention to stuff. I was moving uh, from one apartment to the other. So uh, tasking away, busy weekend doing that. Saw a couple of news items. So we're going to uh, jump into it. And as you can tell, a little bit different background. And I'm hoping in at least the next month or two, that will even change even more. Uh, got more space now. Uh, where I'm at now, I can actually have a podcast studio uh, with the extra room I have. But this is what we're going to do so far. But a couple of news items. Then we're going to get out of here. Short podcast this week or today. Be back on Wednesday with a recap of the National Championship game. But anyways, uh, we're going to start off with Auburn. Auburn offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery was fired on Friday. Uh, this was right when I started uh, to kind of jump in gear on moving some stuff. Uh, Hugh Freeze said, I informed Philip today he would not be retained as our office coordinator. Philip is a good coach and a good man. Decisions like this are never easy. However, I decided it is best for our program moving forward. I'm appreciative of his efforts this past year, and I wish him nothing but the best. Auburn averaged 26.2 points per game, which was 11th in the SEC. They struggled in the past game with 162.2 yards per game. There were several games this year with Auburn where they just didn't even get over 100 yards passing. So we'll see. This was kind of something I think a lot of people paying attention to Auburn expected to happen. So no surprise here uh, with the uh, the firing of Phil Montgomery. I'm interested in where Auburn goes. I think personally, this is my opinion, you'll have an offensive coordinator in title, but I believe you Freeze will be the play caller next year for Auburn. Also for Auburn, uh, defensive back Keontae Scott is expected to enter the transfer portal. Uh, of course, remember Keontae Scott was moved from inside defensive back to being a corner on the outside. He had some good moments. He had some bad moments there in the bowl game against Maryland. So that would be interesting to see where he lands. That was a big deal that he was coming back to Auburn. So him now maybe hitting the portal, kind of a shocker. Uh, over at LSU, they named their new defensive coordinator, of course, Brian Kelly cleared out the entire defensive staff after the bowl game uh, where they did beat Wisconsin. But new defensive coordinator Blake Baker is coming in. He was a Missouri defensive coordinator last year, which ranked 25th in the country uh, in total defense. He rebuilt that defense. They were ranked well over 100 uh, a few years ago before he took over. Uh, they had a top 10 turnover margin, so that's another big thing there, too, as well. He was the LSU linebacker coach in 2021, but he was not retained by Brian Kelly uh, when he took over for Coach Oak. But when you look at what Baker has done, he's rebuilt defenses, and that's going to be something that's going to need to be done here with LSU. So we'll see how that goes with that. And then finally, uh, we have the NFL playoffs are set up. You know, Of course, we'll jump into the NFL every now and then. Just looking at the matchups, I'm not about to break down NFL Week 18. Like I said, I was kind of in and out of watching games and stuff this weekend, not like I normally would be doing. Uh, let's look at the AFC. The 2-7 matchup will be between the Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Buffalo Bills beat Miami last night, 21-14. You got the best and the worst of Josh Allen in that one. Some two bad interceptions in the end zone. In the first half, but they found a way to win. They will play the Steelers, who are in. Um, you kind of look at it and say, wow, Steelers are a playoff team. But, hey, they made it. And uh, my Tom's never had a losing record. 
Uh, that game will be played on Sunday at 12 o'clock on CBS. Uh, the 36th matchup will be between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. These two teams played earlier in the year across the pond over in Europe. This will be Saturday, 7 o'clock on Peacock. So it's a streaming-only game. So you, if you don't have Peacock, you can get it if you want to watch the Chiefs and the Dolphins on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. The other matchup in the AFC, the 4-5 matchup, the Texans and the Browns. Who would have saw these two teams matching up for the season? Nobody. This will be 3.30 on Saturday. This will be on NBC. This will be the first game of the playoffs. Over in the NFC, the 2-7 matchup, the Dallas Cowboys will host the Green Bay Packers. The Packers come in 9-8, beating the Bears, got into the playoffs, and the Cowboys are your NFC East champions. This will be on Sunday at 3.30. This will be on Fox. And you expect Dallas to get it. They have the talent. I still say they're a divisional round team, probably not a Super Bowl team. We'll see what happens. They're very one-dimensional with the passing game, too, as well. And this is a win for the Packers. Youngest team in the league. Jordan Love, first-year starter, replacing Aaron Rodgers, and he gets the team to the playoffs. The 3-6 matchup between the Detroit Lions and the L.A. Rams. This is an interesting one. This will be Sunday night at 7 o'clock on NBC. Matthew Stafford gets to go up against his former team in that city in Detroit. That's going to be fun. The Rams are playing really good. Uh, they've been a hot team here of late, and the Lions hosted the game. And then the final matchup, this will be on Monday Night Football between the four-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the five-seeded Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles have really fallen off lately. Uh, lost to Cardinals, close one last week, and then basically didn't really give a great effort or any effort against the Giants, and they lost. And the Cowboys win the division because of that. And that will be 7 o'clock on ESPN and ABC on Monday night. Later in the week, I've got a friend of mine Longtime friend uh, from previous radio stops and all that that we used to talk NFL with. He'll be on later in the week. Uh, we're we're going to dive into the wild card matchups later in the week. So, yeah, we pretty much went to college and the SEC here, but I'll just dive into other stuff sometimes as well. And uh, Wednesday, I'll be joined by John Vogel. He is an NFL draft analyst. We're going to break down and talk about the national championship game between Washington and Michigan. But we'll also jump into it from a draft point of view, prospects, and we'll try to dive into some other players not involved in that game that you may care about. So that'll be what's going on rest of the week. And here soon, don't know when, I will have another episode of the Wiregrass High School Football Report. Anyways, that's going to do it. Hope everybody has a great Monday. Enjoy the National Championship game. You know what? I just almost did the show without giving my pick. Uh who do I think is going to win the national championship game? I am going to pick. I'm going to be honest with you. We're not supposed to have favorites or people we root for here. I think I'm with most people. It would be a great story if Washington won. Really would. Michael Penix, what he's been through. This team, they're really likable. Not a lot of people pay attention to them during the regular season, particularly Michael Penix at quarterback. All the receivers they have. I mean, it's it's an air show with them. But I look at Michigan, and anybody that's followed me long enough more I talk about football, I look at off- offense and defense a lot. I just think Michigan has an edge there. Now, Washington has a really good offensive line, a lot better than Alabama's. We'll see if they can get pressure on Penix and hurry some throws, maybe force some bad throws. And then offensive line-wise, I think Michigan maybe can take some opportunities. They can slow the game down, make it the kind of game they want it to be and take care of business that way. I think Blake Corum could have a big day in here. Jaden McCarthy is going to make a, uh, a throw here or there. 
But I just like Michigan just because of what they're able to do on the offensive and defensive line. I go with Michigan to win the game 27 to 23. That's my pick for the national championship game. And now, now I'll say this. I hope everybody has a great Monday. Enjoy the national championship game. I'll be sitting back with some pizza or some 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 good food, eating the game, uh, watching the game as I'm eating there. We'll say that right this time too as well. Uh, not all my game here on this episode of podcast for sure, for sure. Hell Monday, but anyways, it'll be fun. And uh, remember, guys, you can follow me on social media at P Jordan SEC podcast. It's available over at WiregrassDailyNews.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I'll read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight up hater. Remember, you can email me at sportsoutfieldjordan@gmail.com and check out all my written work over our last word on college football. Be back on Wednesday to recap the national championship game.